This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. In this episode, we're connecting with a Norwegian journalist who covers the international and Norwegian cross-country beat. Well, my name is John Rasmussen. I work for the Norwegian newspaper Dagbladet. I mostly cover cross-country. I've been doing that for the last 10 years, more or less. Don't be fooled by the proper Brit accent. Rasmussen did spend time in Britain for schooling. We contacted Rasmussen to get a sense of the current climate in Norway as it relates to doping and sport. This past summer and fall, Nordic sport was rocked by Sunbee's doping case, then the double whammy hit when the nation's latest ski queen, Teresa Johag, tested positive for an anabolic steroid. We start with Rasmussen describing how Johag's positive test ranks amongst Norway's sporting scandals. Oh, it's a massive question. I mean, the, the Johag case itself is probably the biggest scandal of Norwegian sports ever. We are talking about the, the biggest sports star of Norway. She's built a brand around her own name. She's the best cross-country skier, our national sports uh, she's the best cross-country skier we've had for, for ages uh, on the longer distances. And she's been caught for Klosterball, which is unbelievable. I mean, if you'd asked me before, uh, or even during the summer, I, I, would have, I would have said it couldn't have happened the way it has happened. It definitely took people who follow the sport here in North America off guard. But what was the sense about Johog in terms of just how she approached the sport and you know her ethics in terms of even whether or not you would one would question possible doping the strangest thing uh, about the whole complex I, I i think she was she was asked two weeks before the positive test was public how she dealt with medicine stuff she bought at the grocery stores and she she said she checks everything she doesn't know twice or even three times in order to make sure she doesn't get anything into her body uh, that could uh, cause a positive doping test Despite those proclamations, here's what's at issue. Yohog did test positive. She says her team doctor accidentally prescribed her a lip balm for her sunburn lips, and that lip balm or lip cream contained the banned substance. She claims the doctor didn't check the medication's contents. She also admits she didn't check the contents either. Rasmussen says most Norwegians believe Yohog's claim. In Norway, the sense is that her version of the story is true. You know, it's interesting, and I'm sure you're aware of the whole, you know, Lance Armstrong saga and how for years he was adamant about saying he wasn't a doper, in particular in a sport rife with doping. And his performance, you know, even at the time, were kind of otherworldly. You're like, how is this? One is he's coming back from cancer, and two is how is he, you know, he's transformed his body. He's above and beyond every other cyclist when it comes to, you know, 15, 18 days into the tour, and there's a major hill climb, and there he goes. And not to draw an analogy, but when being a fan of the sport and watching the sport, and you watch Yohog, and I may have this wrong, but maybe it was last year's, 
uh, 30K home and colon that she just totally dominated off the front and no one was even close. And it's the, the image presented is she's just superhuman. And I mean that as a clean superhuman. And on the flip side, is there ever an undercurrent of discussion among, say, journalists or fans in Norway where there's some slight suspicion just due to the nature of sports in this age? Of course there is. And, you know, uh, I would say performances like the one in Holmenkorn last year would automatically trigger suspicion that something is not right because she was so superior to everyone else. But I, th- I think you've got to take into account that being caught doping whilst trying to cheat in Norway would be the end of your career. Uh, being a cross-country skier in Norway, the competition to be in the national side and to win both national championships and world championships in cross-country, is, it, it's, it's so strong, the competition, that if you had a system like, for instance, U.S. Postal had with Lance Armstrong, that doped a whole team, people would pick up on it because that would exclude ambitious cross-country skiers from being picked up by that team. Because it's not like cycling, uh, the the cross-country scene in Norway. There is only one national team that picks cross-country skiers to represent Norway in the championships that matter. And that, that gives them uh, an economic foundation and the future um, that uh, will provide for them the rest of their lives. I think if, if cross, good cross-country skiers felt that they were being cheated out of a place in the national squad because of doping, because of systematic doping in that one team, we would have heard about it, the journalists that are following this, this scene closely. You know, here in the United States you really can't make any money in the sport. Whereas in Norway, there's an opportunity to market yourself like Yohog has done. You know, she has a glove company. I'm sure she endorses a ton of product. Is there ever any conversation about, you know, the pressure on athletes that maybe they may not partake in systematic doping from a team standpoint, but the opportunity cost of not giving yourself an advantage through possibly doping is so tremendous, you know, financially that it might be worth the risk. Yes, I mean it, it, it's a fair point. I, I just, uh, I, I just think it would be a too big a risk for the for for athletes in cross country, not so much other sports, but in cross country, which is our our national sport. It's the pride of the Norwegian people to excel in cross country. And if you're caught a cheat there, you will have no future. No one will give you a job afterwards because you're a cheat. And you, if you cheat in cross country, you're the worst kind of cheat. The, the fall is too high uh, if you get caught. If you're that good at cross country skiing that you're at a national level, it doesn't really matter if you win a World Cup or a World Championship. You will always be offered a job afterwards. You will always have a future. So, so I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's worth the risk. It's more of a stupid risk than earning money of it. You know, obviously the doping news in Norway came up because of Sumbi initially this summer, and the case had been ongoing, just not disclosed by FIS for at least over a year. You know, how is the Yohog case being perceived or handled differently than 
you know, Sumbi's case from the perception of the public in the public eye? The, the major differences between the Sunbi case and the Yohag case is that the Yohag case is in general perceived as an accident. The doctor has done something which is inexplicable and Yohag is a victim of this doctor's actions and are now being punished for it. She is in the public eye without any fault or blame in her case, even though she, she will get a long, long punishment for it. Uh, whereas in the Sunby case, he was only punished two months for uh, administering uh, the asthma medicine, uh, a too, too high a dose of asthma medicine, also provided by the doctor. In Sunby's case, I'm, I'm not sure about the Sunby case isolated. I think people are are sceptical to the general use of asthma medicine in the Norwegian cross-country team because it turns out after the Sunday case arose that uh, the team doctors have been giving asthma medicine to athletes who have not got an asthma uh, diagnosis. That's a lot more problematic in the public eye than both Sunby's case isolated and certainly the Yoha case, which is perceived as, as more or less an accident. In terms of the news of possible, you know, administering asthma meds to people who do not have a therapeutic use exemption, um, is that still part of the news cycle in Norway? Yes. And uh, I think of all the bad news from this summer, that's probably the worst news especially in terms of the public discussion, because that sort of casts shadows over what the team doctors in cross-country have been doing. If they have been willing to provide uh, healthy athletes with asthma meds, what else could they have been tempted to provide these athletes with? Uh, you know, if, if you're being conspiratorically um, dispositioned, that's what you might think, and that's what a lot of people are thinking. They don't trust uh, cross-country as much as they did because they, it, it's now been proven that healthy athletes have been given medicine, which has been legal but not ethically, e ethically right. And this is just maybe a personal question. How old are your kids? My kids are 10 and, and 6. At least your 10-year-old is old enough to understand that like, wow, you know, this national star has been caught doing something, you know, whether it's accidental, accidental or intentional. And you can answer this if you, if you want or not, because it's more like putting on a parenting hat in Norway. But how do you describe that to a kid who may see Yohog and Sunby as, you know, heroes, people to look up to? This is uh, it's funny you should mention it because uh, I talked about it with a colleague the, just the other day because uh, my daughter, who is, who is 10, uh, had Johaug as her absolute biggest idol. She, my daughter wanted to be a, a cross-country star. She wanted to be Johaug. And then she was caught and my daughter obviously was uh, convinced she was innocent. And I did try to explain to my daughter what Teresa Johag meant had happened and that that could very well be true. So um, she might not be a cheat, but she will get a long punishment for, um, for using this lip balm because she should have checked it herself. 
my 10-year-old does not understand that she can be innocent in actually um, using this cream and still get 14 months punishment for, for using it. So now, after congesting all this information for a couple of months, she has now decided she doesn't want to be a cross-country skier and Teresa Yoag is no longer an idol, which is sad in a way. But, you know, this is, this is what cases like this does to kids in a way, I think, at the moment, because they, they find it very, very difficult to see their heroes both being criticised a lot and also, in Johag's case, we won't see her ski this season. And obviously, for a, for a 10-year-old who's got Johag as her biggest idol, that's all wrong. And obviously, she, she doesn't want to be here anymore. I'm, I'm bummed. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch Johag. You know, it, it, it's fun to see an athlete at that caliber. I think it's been amazing to see Johag. Um, I watched her uh, bronze medal in Sapporo in 2007, and I've I've seen all of her career with my own eyes. And and you know the the progress she's made, and year by year, it's been amazing to see. And uh, and especially last season, I thought she was tremendous, and not just by winning by a mile, but the way she skied, it was beautiful. I do believe that um, that her her side of this. A doping story is the true story of what happened and i think it's uh, it's a tragedy for her obviously it's a tragedy for for the team doctor who quit uh, right away and and it's a tragedy for our national sport and i read an article yesterday and it may have been in your newspaper but it sounds like the legal testimony the case for and against uh will be presented i believe january 24th and 25th of 2017? 26th and 27th of January. Okay. Can you describe what that process is? What will happen over that two-day period? What will happen is it, it will be more or less like a normal court case where Yo Haug and her lawyer will uh, turn up in front of a panel of three judges and, um, and there will be a prosecutor from Anti-Doping Norway presenting the case. Uh, and it will be like an, uh, um, yeah, as I said, a normal uh, court case where Johaug will explain herself. There will be witnesses explaining themselves. I suppose the team doctor will be there to explain his side of the story. And then the three judges will come to a verdict, probably uh, early February. Do you know what the threshold for guilt is in a case like this? Yeah, it's it's. In sports, it's it's different than in a normal court case because uh, it it's not beyond any reasonable doubt. It's whether or not you you've tested positive or not positive, and it, uh, whether or not you are to blame for it. And then you have to look at what happened, what has happened in cases similar cases earlier, because this is where you have the what we call I, I'm not sure if I know the English term for it, but an objective responsibility related to what comes into your body as an athlete. If you are caught with a substance which is on the WADA prohibited list, then you're automatically guilty. And then there's a question of, has has something happened here that you cannot be blamed for? Uh, so the punishment will be lower uh, or lowered 
um, or is it have you tried to cheat and then it, it will be a, a more severe sentence? And I know that uh, Johan's law- lawyer will say that she is not to blame at all and that she should not be punished at all. That's not likely will happen. Uh, and anti-doping Norway have have actually believed Johaug in her explanation of of what had happened, which is to say that they believe that she has just acted on advice from her own doctor, but that's not good enough an excuse to exempt her from her objective responsibility of being caught with clostable in her body. So 14 months is what they're asking for, and 14 months is probably what they'll get. And do you feel like, you know, from your own perspective, having covered, um, I suppose, you know, anti-doping and and doping litigation in Norway, does that seem like a fair to you as a journalist covering the sport? Does that seem like a fair term to serve? I I find it very, very difficult to use the term fair in this case, because if you believe that Jo Haug's story is true, um, then 14 months doesn't sound fair. But if you believe in having uh, a clean sport, I think the system has to be rigged in so that you cannot just blame a, a doctor or any other person um, for what you get into your body. You have to have that objective responsibility uh, for what, what's, what's in your doping tests. So, yes, it's probably a fair sentence, 14 months. And uh, if she does get 14 months, that gives her a chance to, to um, come back to the Olympics, which will be uh, good for her, good for probably the sport. And, um, and if, if her story is true, then that's fair. It will be fair that she can compete in the Olympics and it will be fair to, um, to suspend her this season, I think. Do you think that the 14-month ban will be the the penalty in your eyes? I think she will get 14 months uh, from from the um, Norwegian Sports Association, yes. And does she have recourse to appeal that decision once it's handed down? Yeah. She can appeal that uh, to uh, a national appeal committee, uh, and she can further on appeal to, to CAS the uh, Court of Arbitration in, in, in Switzerland, uh, which will be the final destination for it. But also WADA and FIS uh, and the Norwegian National Ski Association could appeal any sentence from, uh, from the um, Norwegian Sports Association's um, conviction. And do you get the sense from Johag's team that if the 14 months is handed down, they would pursue that avenue, even in light of the potential cost, you know, just it would continue to be in the news cycle and her name would be continue to be in the news cycle rather than, you know, serving 14 months, being off the radar, so to speak, and coming back, you know, before the Olympics. Do you think she will pursue that appeal process? I don't think she will. If she gets 14 months and no one appeals, uh, I think she will take the. Uh, I think she will take it and look for the Olympics and come back for the Olympics. Uh, I think if she gets any more than 14 months, which is a, a possibility, she will appeal because uh, that means the Olympics will probably not 
be uh, realistic to come back to. And I think if she gets less than 14 months, I think the International Ski Federation, FIS or WADA, will appeal it to CAS. You know, your prediction of her potential at the Pyeongchang Games in 2018, and would would she automatically make the team or would she have to qualify through national races or trials? She would uh, have to qualify, I think, uh, but not necessarily through so many races because uh, if uh, she, she will be cleared for racing by the 18th of December 2017 if, if she gets 14 months uh, which gives her the whole tour de ski to prove that she's still in the form that she has been and I think that'll be enough to, to um, give her a chance at the Olympics and I think also the feeling that it's been an accident. No one believes Johaug has done this to, to gain anything in, in cross-country skiing. I think the National Ski Federation will think that she deserves a place in the Olympics if she proves in the Tour de Ski 2017-18 that she's good enough. What is your sense of these athletes before and after these scandals? All we know about them is you know what we see on Eurosport. You know We see them interviewed for 30 seconds perhaps and and usually the shape is good otherwise i guess we don't know them as human beings you know what is your sense about them and about whether or not they truly are humbled after an experience like this with yoho i was at the press conference where she uh, told about the positive test obviously heartbroken i've never seen i've never seen yoho or any cross-country skier as heartbroken as that I had the opportunity to have a one-to-one interview with her a couple of weeks later, and uh, she was still heartbroken, more focused, I think. Uh, But it was almost like she was living a nightmare. She obviously hadn't slept too well. She was tired. She was crying. She was very, very different from the happy Johaug we met just a few weeks before this this nightmare started for her. So I haven't spoken to her a lot recently, obviously, because she's, she's been keeping to herself, waiting for both now the, the 14 months, um, yeah, the potential ban, and also now the, uh, when the hearing comes up in January. This story has changed Johag. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, how she will act and react when things are clear I don't know. She will almost certainly be confronted with this for the rest of her career, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The same goes for Sunbi. Um, I, I had the opportunity to interview him just a few days ago in Davos in Switzerland. And uh, he's dealt with this very good, I think. He's been under a lot of pressure for, for uh, two years since he um, gave the test with um, subutomal levels above the threshold in Davos in 2014. He's lived with this. Now, I think he considers himself finished with it, and uh, he's more or less back to normal. But obviously, a case like this will will affect uh, anyone, anyone doing cross-country in Norway, because it affects how people um, see you as an athlete. Do you think he has, I mean, he's obviously been on the men's side, the most dominant skier, say, for the past three years. Do you think he has something to prove this year? I mean, in the initial weekend of races, I think in Kusumo, I think he, he, to his standards, probably a bit lackluster, but he's turned it on quite a bit since then. 
Sumbi um, got ill for the national season opening in Beitelstone the weekend before uh, Kusumo, which would probably uh, explain why he wasn't up to standards in, in Finland. He returned on good form, obviously, winning the mini tour at Lillehammer the weekend after. And, and this weekend's races in Davos was, uh, well, he was back on top, really. So um, he has got a lot to prove this season. He doesn't have any individual gold medals in any championships. He will need that to uh, be considered one of the greatest cross-country skiers in Norway. He, he will have to win it this year, I think. And also, if he can win the World Cup, I think that will mean a lot to him uh, after what he's been through this summer and, and autumn. The U.S., I would, you know, I would say U.S. sports and U.S. sports governing bodies have a very... Um, kind of ironic relationship with doping. Uh, you know, the United States probably, if we look at historically, it, you know, one of the founding fathers in how to dope effectively. And there's been a long tradition of, say, U.S. track and field athletes uh, being busted. And obviously, the postal team, you know, under Lance Armstrong has done a big disservice to U.S. reputation. That said, uh, the U.S. also likes to see itself as the watchdog in many ways for clean sport. And so it's, it is a very kind of strange relationship the way it's projected. That said, I'm wondering if you can describe how Norwegians perceive themselves when it comes to doping and, and sport, and in particular, maybe cross-country skiing. If you as an American see yourself as the watchdog of clean sports i think you can you can multiply that by seven and you'll find you norwegian doping in sport is is so not on in this country for some reason i don't think that any norwegian would think that any norwegian athlete would be capable of doping because it's, it's considered such a shameful act and particularly in cross country, which is the national sport that every every Norwegian is 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 skiing during the winter, and a lot of people are skiing at a de- quite quite a decent level. And if you're caught cheating doing that, you're uh, I don't know, it's it's probably like uh, stealing from your neighbour. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So let's talk a little bit about the McLaren report and how that has been treated in Norway. Um, Obviously, there was the initial report came out, I believe, in July, the first McLaren report disclosing systematic state-sponsored doping in Russia. And there was a follow-up report released last week, I believe. I'm curious how that is being played out in Norway right now. The f- first part of the uh, McLaren report came as a uh, as a as a shock. Um, state-sponsored doping programs is uh, is a blast from the past. It's uh, it's like we're back to uh, the Cold War again, which we are, we clearly aren't. It's happening now. It's it's happened from <clears throat> at least 2011 till now. And when the second report came out on Friday with more details in how they did it, and especially during the Sochi Olympics, that came as another shock. What people are waiting for now is names, concrete names and sports. And uh, uh, only today the the confirmation came through that cross-country is involved during the Olympics in Sochi. 
and we're sort of in awe waiting for which athletes we are talking about. And obviously, I, I, I can't deny that the, the, the treble Russian on the uh, 50K in Sochi did spark a discussion of whether or not something had happened, but they weren't caught. So we, we've all taken that for a, a well-deserved gold medal, silver medal and bronze medal for, for the host nation. But it was certainly, I mean, just having watched that race on television, it looked a, it was a little bit startling to see the three of them dominating so much at the very end of a very difficult race. Yeah, uh, what can I say? I just hope that no, no one, no one of those three are are on the list that inevitably will come to um, to the surface one day. It was reported in the news yesterday that I and correct me here if this is incorrect, but I think the bobsled and skeleton world championships were to be held in Russia this winter. And due to the potential threat of, you know, athlete boycott, they decided to move the venue out of the country, out of Russia. I've definitely heard this from, from, from North American, former North American World Cup skiers, that the only way is to hit fists hard. And that means jeopardizing potential broadcast income. And that would mean boycotting an event. And, you know, tour to ski comes to mind because it's obviously, you know, coming up and it's high profile. You know, it's one thing for a North American athlete to say, hey, I'm not going to show up. But for Norwegian athletes to say that would be probably a nail in, in a certain coffin. You know, is there any discussion about athletes actually boycotting? No. Uh, no athlete uh, discussion about boycotting and I don't think any Norwegian athlete will boycott uh, the World Cup. I think it's much more likely that uh, the Norwegian Ski Federation uh, and FIS will uh, find another venue for the World Cup uh, ending tour of Tumen in Russia this year. I think that's Probably the um, probably the, the the nearest sanction to to Russia that's on the on the table, and probably any sort of boycott will hit them or their their own pockets more than any have any real effect on the doping question. I think Russian venues are more likely to be uh, kept out of the World Cup circus than than uh, having athletes boycotting uh, events. Great. Really appreciate it and have a great evening. And you. All right, take care. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening to Nordic Nation. As you may know, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And if you have a moment, please head over there and give us a rating. Thanks for listening and have a safe and happy holiday.